Finding success on YouTube can be very, very difficult and exceptionally frustrating. When you consult to hundreds, if not thousands of YouTube channels, you tend to pick up some patterns. You tend to pick up some patterns of channels that are set up for success and what they did right to get there. On today's episode of Tube Talk, we dive into the three laws of success with Sean Cannell. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. And welcome to another episode of Tube Talk. My name is Liron Segev. I am your host. I'm a tech blogger, a YouTuber, and the director of customer success here at vidIQ. Every day, I help creators such as yourself, big and small, understand their YouTube strategy and simply get to that next level. And yes, finding success on YouTube is difficult. It is work. You do have to put in the grind and the hustle to get to that level of success. And somebody who really understands all of that is my guest, Sean Cannell, who doesn't just simply have one channel. He has video influencers with nearly 500,000 subscribers, Think Media with 830,000 subscribers, and you know what, just for fun, throw in a personal channel with about 100,000 subscribers. He also co-authored one of my favorite YouTube books, which is YouTube Secrets. It's even available in audible format as well. Years of experience, lots of consulting, lots of brand experience. Sean, thank you for being here on Tube Talk. Man, after that introduction, I don't even know who you're talking about. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm tired after that introduction. <laughs> that sounds exhausting. I do not know how you do it. And on top of which, you have an event that you run. Sean, what's got you ridiculously excited about this YouTube world that you're in? You know, I mean, I don't think my excitement for YouTube has changed ever since I first discovered its power and its potential. I'm empathetic to the fact that there's demonetization and whole channels dealing with whether it's copyright issues or the community guidelines shifting. But all that to say, I think it's important we never forget that YouTube is a free platform. Mm-hmm. That I, I know I didn't create the internet. I didn't create YouTube. And yet it's changed so many of our lives. It's changed my life and people listening right now. So I just have immense gratitude. I mean, I, I know Susan didn't start the company, but I just, if I ever see her, I want to hug her and give her flowers <laughs> as well as the whole team because YouTube is this, this amazing place. It's not problem free, but it has so much potential and that potential still exists at such a major level right now. So let's kind of rewind the clock a little bit before we kind of really dive into the heart of things. Tell me about the time you decided that, look, YouTube is for you. What, what happened? What were you doing at the time when you saw this amazing potential? Well, I'll go just a few clicks before that. And that was when I got into video. I started video in 2003 just because I was volunteering at my local youth group in my small town, Marysville, Washington, an hour north of Seattle. And I picked up a video camera and Adobe Premiere and I started making these weekly video announcements and they were terrible. I mean, we always say (laughs) your first videos are your worst videos. I know every creator can relate to that, but think about what a blessing it was that I was actually putting out these videos that were playing Wednesday night at youth group and they weren't even being posted online yet. I was cutting my teeth. I was getting you, I was getting through that season of suck. I sometimes say, (laughs) as I walk through the season of suck, I will fear no evil because you got to go through the season of suck. And and so I was, uh, I got started in video and then fast forward a couple of years, the first YouTube channel I actually worked on was my churches. Now this is actually shocking because churches are usually years behind, sometimes a decade behind, Mm -hmm. but yet for whatever reason in our smart, small town, our pastor was pretty progressive. Twitter came out, YouTube came out in 2005, but he wanted to start a channel. So in 2007, I'm uploading videos. You know, there's like 15 minute time limits. So we're turning everything into two and three parts and uh, trying to figure out thumbnails and titles and all that stuff. I didn't know anything, but think about how early that was. So by 2009, I started a business called Clear Vision Media and started helping uh, businesses build websites. I did video production for them, started working with authors and speakers. In fact, That's when I met Benji Travis, the co-author of YouTube Secrets at the YMCA in our small town. And we started to connect. He said, hey, my wife's like this famous, uh, famous. He's like, my wife's got like 150,000 YouTube subscribers. And I was like, you're a liar. I didn't say that, but I'm thinking, not in our small town. What are you saying, bro? But then I went home. I was like, what the heck? And so early on, we actually worked together. I was a videographer for them. 
and doing video production and at way back in like 2009, 2010. And so that's how I kind of got into YouTube. And once I, even all the way in 2007, once I started watching some of the early YouTubers, Julian Smith, come on, remember the Malk video, some of that stuff, like early guys, um, I was so excited about the platform. I didn't know what I was going to do or what the future hold, held specifically. I just knew, man, I, I, I see something happening here. I'm passionate about it. This seems so powerful. And now years later, that has come true. And, and that's not just like financial or business. I mean, right. friendships, relation, our relationship. I mean, Absolutely. us like being at events together, like my world has expanded and been enriched relationally, emotionally, spiritually from the, the dynamics of people I've gotten to meet. And uh, that's the power of YouTube. I think it's really, it's bringing people together. And it's international. I go to sleep at night here in the States and wake up in the morning and there's a hundred comments on your videos from people who've just woken up on the other side of the globe, loving your content, want to engage with you, felt the need to leave your comment on your video. How amazing is that, that it just binds the world together through the power of video? Are you finding that today people starting out have it much easier or is it maybe just very different today to when you got started? You know, my answer here is kind of unique. I think that's equal. And here's why. I think that for me, of course, I had the early adopter advantage um, because I got into YouTube um, years ago, but I also had a lot of disadvantages. There wasn't channels like video influencers or think media. So we were completely just trying to figure testing, experimenting, wandering through the desert, making mistakes, you know, like trying to figure it all out. And on top of that, even the technology was significantly harder. I mean, now we're talking dual pixel autofocus, tap your face, you know, all these things that are so much. I mean, people trip these days. They're like, I can't believe the camera doesn't have IBIS. I can't believe it doesn't <laughs> right out of autofocus. I'm like, bro, that's new. Like those, those things are just a few years old. We were, we had to manually focus our cameras and guess what? You just take the extra time to do it. Put a little balloon. I would do that. You know, you put like a stuffed animal on yep. the top of your chair where your face is. So you could actually, and then walk back from your camera to try to be in focus. So I think that it's equal because while being an early adopter is easy with less competition or easier, there's still so much to learn. Now you flip it. You can learn faster. You can skip whole skill sets. I mean, editing, right. speeding up. As even the ability production renders exports all of that speeding up so you've got better information you've got proven roadmaps from people that have gone there and can help you get there further faster but you do have increased competition of course every day competition is more increasing so i i mean i think it comes down to this it doesn't matter like that it actually like is it too late is it uh you know can i still break through like is the weather perfect right now um, and it just never will be perfect. Yeah. The best time to start a YouTube channel was in 2005. The second best time is right now. People just need to do it. There's so many people who are stuck in this forever cycle of research, analysis paralysis. I'm going to watch another video. I'm going to take another course. I'm going to download another PDF. The best way to do it is to do it. You want to share a message, just share the message. Simple as that. Do you find there's some common denominators amongst all the people that you speak to, the people that you consult with, which almost are like the laws of success of YouTube? Yeah, I actually uh, have a training called uh, the three irrefutable laws of YouTube success. Cool. And a caveat here is that my point of view and who I help the most are teachers, coaches, consultants, people with a message people that um, want to leverage YouTube to probably drive some kind of business result and also impact people. And while that can blur into kind of your new school creator, the way I summarize it is I help business-minded content creators. And so these laws are also based on the fact that YouTube is a search engine. Now I'm aware, I think that actually everybody can leverage that fact at different points in their YouTube career, different videos that they upload. But I, uh, it's not maybe as relevant for peer entertainment channels or things like that. And the final caveat, these are two very good specific examples. There's sometimes comedians and musicians will ask me, 
well, Sean, how can I use these laws as a musician? And I say, here's the trouble being a musician. Your music is either going to be good or bad and people are either going to like it or not. Mm -hmm. And so like if you title your video right to rank it for such and such cover of a song, look, that's going to be determined by the market likes that or not. So you have a little bit more of a, uh, in my opinion, challenge. If you, if you want to be a great comedian, you just need to get it out there and grind and put those videos out or musician, you need to level up your craft. I actually think, and this is why I love teaching it, that it's a much more forgiving path to share your expertise, to share your knowledge, to actually be a guide to people that are just a few steps behind you. And whether that's in homeschool, and these are the people in our community, Heather Torres is actually on our team. She's helping people with homeschool. You've got Steve Panette, who's helping people with real estate, leveraging YouTube to grow his real estate business. You've even got Dadverb, who is video production and freelance video per day. He's got his own agency. But then he does a Dadverb channel, parenting channel to review strollers and different things. So in almost a way to put it would almost be practical. Not that yeah. I don't help motivational and inspirational people, but that I love the practical path of YouTube. And these laws apply to that. And they start with this. Number one, research before you press record. That's the yes. first law. Yes, and, yes, yes, yes. And that's, it's everything. And that's why I love tools like vidIQ and keywordseverywhere.com and why I love even YouTube itself that gives us uh, those predictions and the autocomplete that can give us insights into the exact videos that we should make. The biggest mistake most people make when starting YouTube is they don't know what videos to make to talk about. So they mm -hmm. just turn their camera on and just randomly pontificate their thoughts or just make random content. And I've learned that random acts of content typically don't work. Almost yes. in, in no, unless, unless you're a meme account and being random is Thrust. your message or you're a comedian and that is what has worked for you, you want to be strategic, specific, starting with the end in mind. And when you use the powerful tools of research, you can not only come up with the specific video ideas you should be making, you also are now going to be leveraging the fact that YouTube is a search engine and yeah. so that you are giving your content the best possible opportunity for not just getting views when you upload it to your subscribers, but being viewed by new people for weeks, months, and years to come, leveraging YouTube search. Uh, absolutely. I mean, research, 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 research. It's so many people pick up the camera, will film. I mean, we've all seen them at events. They're walking around with their gorilla pods and filming for hours on end. And then they have three SD cards full of hours of videos. Now what? But if they did their research and they knew that they wanted to come out with five tips to make your YouTube videos better, they'll shoot five tips and then they're done because they know people are searching for that. I cannot stress this enough, totally echo that, research, 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 unless you already have a following on a TikTok or an Instagram or, and you're leveraging that audience to come across to YouTube, if you're starting at zero, research is so, so key. And YouTube is that search engine that wants to marry a query, a question with an answer. Be the answer. So love that. Research, law number one, irrefutable, do your research first. Hit us with law number two. Law number two then is rank your videos. And so the purpose of your research is to get that video ranked. Now, here's my definition of ranked videos. There's, of course, search, which is if someone types in an inquiry, homeschool versus public school in the search box, and then uh, there's the top result, there's a second result, there's a third result. Well, those are ranked videos. They're ranking for a particular search query. And so Heather Torres on her homeschool channel, when she made that video, it ranked in search based on how she created the content and how she optimized it. And therefore, she grew her channel so far to 13,000 subscribers, which are focused homeschool moms that are wanting to just learn and grow. And so that is ranking in search. But we know that actually the largest traffic source on YouTube is suggested videos. And what I've discovered is I define ranking as both. Ranking is search and suggested. Ranking simply means that you're getting seen, that you're, a suggested video in a way is a ranked video. A YouTube ranked, saying yeah. this is worthy of being put on the sidebar because of the minutes watched, because of the consumption. And that's the one-two punch of YouTube. When I look at my traffic, a lot of times, uh, we get about 1.5 million views uh, a month on Think Media and about 40% is usually suggested videos and 20 to 30% is search. 
but the practices, the tactics, um, I believe, of doing search right gives you much more leverage for suggested. And when you kind of get that mix right, you'll leverage both and you can experience, you can experience the dream. And so when a video is ranked, the dream for me is views why you snooze and think media gets roughly 2000 to 3000 views every 60 minutes, whether I upload new videos or not Mm -hmm. crazy powerful. And that is search and suggested traffic predominantly. Well, uh, it's a couple of things on that. So firstly, you said um, that the, her channel's got 13,000 subscribers, but you also said a very, very key word here, which is focused. This is, it's not a numbers game, which is the vanity metrics is driving me insane, which people just think, I've got to get subscribers, I've got to get subscribers, sub for sub. Let me just get as many numbers on my channel as possible. If you're doing this as a business and you're looking to, grow a course, you're looking to get more people through the front door of your shop, you're doing with a business intent in mind, it's not a numbers game, it's the right number game. So it's the intent that's absolutely critical to that. So I love the idea of focus. And in fact, and I think you actually told me this once, that nothing will suck the joy out of YouTube faster than comparing it to other people. Absolutely. And um, you know, what's interesting is, I think it would probably be encouraging for people to hear that you also never know what's going on under the surface. Mm -hmm. And so you never know what someone's CPM is. And so someone might be getting 10 million views a month, but their CPM is 50 cents. And you might be getting, you know, a fraction of that, but your CPM is $10. Furthermore, you don't know what's happening on the back end of their business. So, so many people judge on the surface. This comes our way a lot. They'll they'll say, man, you don't even get views, you know, like some troll gamer kid somewhere. (laughs) And, and I'm like, you know, I mean, that's fair because if you compare that to a Jake Paul or a PewDiePie, then, you, I mean, correct, compared to that, like, I'm just a blip on the radar. But mm-hmm. let's flip that. 1.5 million views uh, a month is insanity. Like, <laughs> any, but, like that, is, that is crazy amount of traffic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, this 16-year-old is actually probably a 36-year-old living in his <laughs> mom's base, basement with four subscribers is commentating on how many views we're getting also not realizing that there's an entire business model behind that's generating multiple seven figures. And so you just never know what's really happening. And too many people, yeah, they're judging by the surface. They're judging vanity metrics, what's happening on the surface. um, And they don't really even understand how the game works. All right. So that was two laws. What's the third? The third law is then reoccurring revenue. And so to recap, number one, research before you press record. Now you're going to make the right video for the right audience. And then you want to rank your videos. And, you know, we could share resources. Obviously, the book, we didn't really go into how, but uh, if, if you could pull that off. Number three, though, you need this. You want to have reoccurring revenue in place. Why are these the laws of YouTube success? Well, by the definition of these three laws, Success in my mind is freedom. You're using YouTube for leverage. You're achieving that goal of generating revenue from YouTube, not like you would generate revenue from going to work at your job. I worked at Red Robin, a uh, hamburger place here in America for 10 years. I was a busser, I waited tables, and so I knew what it was to go in and I traded time for money. What I'm after here with these laws is leverage and freedom because if you are making the right videos, they're ranked in search, therefore they work for you when you're not working, but only if law number three is in place and that is reoccurring revenue is set up. Now what's cool about YouTube is if you are getting views why you snooze, like our friend Sonny so famously said, uh, if you're doing that, then you are making ad revenue and that actually can be pretty great. You know, we we could maybe do a conversation some other time about feature YouTube accounts or niche YouTube accounts. I got a friend, he's got 15 channels. He's making hundred K a month, just in ad revenue. (laughs) He's not in the videos. So, so ad revenue actually really can be a strategy. It can create leverage, of course. And people realize that, but like in a significant way, but then I'm into Probably the second biggest one is affiliate marketing because if videos are relevant to affiliate marketing where you're doing product reviews or tutorials of some kind, when those views are, when those videos are viewed while you're sleeping, you also are making sales through affiliate marketing. Um, I will say this, I'm less of a fan of brand deals and more and more my mindset has been shifting about brand deals based on some of my mentors and stuff because, and that's just my personality. I hate having a boss. I want, I, 
and, and if I'm working with four or five different companies, it increases my stress level because I got four or five bosses. So while there are just a very few brands that we love working with because um, it's just a great synergy, it's almost like family, my favorite is really taking your power back and building a business on your own terms. And so that monetization strategy is sell something. Your income is correlated by the amount of buy buttons you have on your website. The listener might say, well, shoot, I don't even have a website. Okay, well then, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you could like send someone to a PayPal, but thing one, thing two, how many buy buttons are on your website? Well, zero. Well, if your income is correlated to the amount of buy buttons you have on your website, then we might have a problem of why you're not making any income. And what's really exciting is again, going back to vanity metrics, there's that famous article. I'm sure you've brought it up before. Many of your listeners have probably heard it. Kevin Kelly, 1,000 true fans. Yes. That, look, you don't need a million subscribers, 100,000 or even 10,000, but you need 1,000 true fans. And however you serve them, whether that's through a, you know, a, a box that comes out every quarter, some kind of a digital course, some kind of merch, some kind of physical product, some kind of white label or outsourced or e-com. If you want to create this freedom business, embracing the power of YouTube online video and impacting people in the process, then setting up reoccurring revenue streams is hugely important. And this kind of might go without saying, but I actually kind of want to emphasize it here. It's this, you need to make more money. <laughs> listener might be like, well, yeah, I mean, tell me about it. I mean, what, that's, that's like a mute point, but no, you, I actually think that a lot of creators that's why we help business-minded content creators. And a lot of content creators are not business-minded. Our views towards money are very interesting, right? It's how we're raised. It's, yep. We can sometimes have different mindsets. And when I say you need to make more money, it's because I hope that you're listening and you've got a big dream. You've got a big vision. You've got a vision that's bigger than money, but it's going to take money. And I think that sometimes we have kind of that starving artist perspective right. and that can really put a lid on us as creators. I, it's like, look, you need to make revenue because doing this is hard. You got to hire a team eventually, but also you got to make revenue because is your vision bigger than you? I've heard some people say, um, you know, you know what? I only need enough money for myself and my family, in my opinion. And they view that as contentedness, which I respect mm -hmm. but in my opinion, that's selfish. Why? Because there's more needs around planet earth than yes. just you and your family. And so if you have the ability to create content, build your influence, generate revenue, make way more than you think. And I get people are still like, okay, <laughs> I mean, I, I, yes, I would love to, but I actually think it has to fit into the framework of why, because reasons come before results. A lot of creators plateau. I even think they burn out because they hit a certain level of success. This YouTube thing can rush in and you can experience success, you can experience money, but they don't necessarily how to manage it or know how to build a business or how to actually keep their own fire lit. So sometimes they drift a little and they, because their vision is, exactly. is, it needs to expand. So anyways, I just encourage people when you set up that reoccurring revenue, now you could build more momentum. And how amazing is it that you could actually pay somebody else and help feed their kids, build their family, that you could bring people together with you and actually build a movement all around this fact of, of YouTube. But the only reason that's going to happen is if you create leverage because you can't be working 60, 70, 80 hours that's a week rough. trying to feed the YouTube machine, grinding it out as a solopreneur forever. You got to create leverage. So you want to rank your videos and have reoccurring revenue streams so you can continue to make a greater impact and go forward with your mission. The more money that you make, which by the way, I don't understand why people almost feel bad for saying that. It's like almost like, you know, they hide their head in shame, go, well, I'm making X number of dollars per month out of my YouTube. Good. That's the point of this because conferences cost money, travel cost money, meeting cost money. Would you suggest that people go into YouTube with the end in mind? In other words, Go into YouTube thinking of this as a business and therefore everything revolves around a business mission. I would suggest what you said first, absolutely, that they should start with the end in mind. But I wouldn't say that it has to be a business mission. I think that what you said first is what's so important. Having a real personal clarity on the fact of, is this meant? Like, so here's, this is actually a conflict 
not really a conflict, but it's something we talk about in our community a lot in the sense of people, they want YouTube to be their full-time job, but they pick a niche or something that does, couldn't even support that. Like, right. here's an example. Only around 8,000 people a month search for underwater basket weaving. Now, actually, <laughs> you could make underwater basket weaving a full-time job. Of course you could, and you probably could build different revenue streams but only 8,000 people a month means the market size yes. is not very large. So you got to start with the end in mind. If you say YouTube is a creative outlet for me, it is something. You might have a target to say, you know what? I hope to earn an extra five to $10,000 a year so that YouTube is going to be our hobby channel and our vacation money. And you set a clear vision like that. You put a level of hustle in it. You love doing it. But you don't, I mean, I'm not saying you have to build a team and scale. It's, right. it's completely predicated on your vision. But if you flip it, because that's where people are out of alignment. People are saying, yo, I want to be a millionaire. And then they start an underwater basket weaving channel and they're frustrated because it, it's, it's not growing as fast. It's like the market you're in, your niche, your business model, your plan is incongruent with your aspirations. That's probably the way to summarize it. If you right. can get clear, I heard a quote, definitiveness of purpose is the starting point of all achievement. And so, mm. and it's hard to figure that out. Like it's easier said than done, but that's why in our book, chapter one, the first law of the seven C's of YouTube success is clarity. Start yes. with the end in mind. And so, yeah, you just wanna be clear on your goals. And uh, I think something to consider is be clear on your goals of the whole picture. I mean, if I'm open, I know that YouTube for as much good as it's done, it's pulled out probably some negative tendencies in me as well. The algorithm is kind of vicious. And I don't mean vicious <laughs> like not ranking videos. It's like, it, it, it is a content monster that yes. it dry, I actually really feel like it unchecked. It can drive you to burnout. It can drive you to just keep feeding it, keep hustling, keep grinding. And so early on when we were talking about comparison and vanity metrics, I think that's the other thing to consider too. What is your vision for your lifestyle? What is your vision for balance? What is it you ultimately want to build? That's so personal. Absolutely. And a lot of times though, we don't think through those things and we just charge the one mountain of, of views or of, of a target of money. But you want to think about that big picture. And kind of to wrap back to that, that's why you also don't really want to judge because some people are choosing to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week, weeks on this. And of course mm -hmm. their numbers are going to probably be superior. But if you like, just say, I want to upload one video every two weeks. I figured out a few income streams because I want to be able to have more time and margin with my family. I've got a bunch Probably. of kids. Everyone's in different seasons. And yes. the people I respect the most are the people that have really, they're thoughtful and they just have wisdom about what's right for them. They're, they figured out, it's not no judgment if someone wants That's to crush perfect. it all, all day long or on the other side, someone is on a slower pace. Well, of course the numbers or the growth is going to be incongruent there, but that person may be living the most wise life that's more to be into, modeled because there, there is kind of a dark side to this YouTube thing that <laughs> yes. can um, almost like take over your lifetime and mind <laughs> and we could forget how to be human. Exactly it. It's it's your personal situation. You cannot compare someone with four kids, mortgages, school fees, all of those bills and that comes with it to someone who's mom and dad are willing to pay for their lifestyle whilst at the Hamptons they're making vlogging videos. The two worlds are so far apart, your responsibilities are different, your time constraints are different. So that again, we're going back to the whole stop comparing, run your own race but be smart about the race that you're trying to run. My problem with the algorithm at the moment, and I'd, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, do you think that because of the algorithm, it's almost killing creativity because we have to play to the way the algorithm wants to work? You know, that's an interesting question that's pulling out maybe some deeper stuff here. Um, mm -hmm. Is, to me, that is the conflict of artist and business person. Yeah. And I, so the first answer is yes. I do actually think at some level it is killing creativity. I do think that if we get super introspective, you know, we could just take that because obviously people that are super creative, certain artistic videos, certain creative videos that are outside of the box win still on YouTube here and there or whatever. But on like overall, no, I agree with you because what YouTube is saying, especially now, 
with YouTube Studio Beta, how clear it was. I throw up a video that's a little off brand and it's like, you're down 56%, your subscribers have no interest in this. So now it's, and you're like, well, when was it just all, I mean, what if I wanted to create a video? So that's what I mean about the tension between being an artist and being a creative. I think that, or a business minded person, I think that that is, it's interesting. It's, it's almost like two different personalities, but you're good if you can blend them. So I'll tell you this, for me, this is my, this is the way I do it. I don't say, I'm not saying this is right. I am on YouTube for a mission that's bigger than YouTube. I'm on YouTube to accomplish things, but my life is not about just YouTube. Therefore, in my opinion, business actually takes priority over creativity. Some people, that would rub them the wrong way and that's why they maybe don't want to follow me or whatever because they're just more like, even though extremely business-minded, they're maybe more like Casey Neistat. Like they just kind of maybe want to follow like a creative, kind of that person who is such kind of an artist spirit Mm. You know, and so they, they, they resonate with that. That's completely fine. Like whoever yeah. you vibe with, but like I go into YouTube to, it is my passion. I love helping people, but I also want to create leverage so I can spend time with my wife, my family. Yes. And so coming up on the 4th of July here in the U.S., we are, um, you know, going to be able to take like seven days and be with our family. And, and because, does that make sense? Yeah, so absolutely. the reason artists are oftentimes starving is because they're not thinking about business marketing, but I know that went a a lot of ways from the algorithm, but yeah, it's like, it's kind of almost like unfortunate, but I understand it. I respect that it's about economics and ad revenue. And yeah, I think you have to play in that framework. And for the artists that maybe feels they can't do that, it's like, well, there's not much you can do about it. You could just share it on another platform. Keep trying to share it, try to get your art seen. But uh, you know, I actually think that there's a great book that can blend the two and I don't think they have to be at war and it's called Real Artists Don't Starve by Jeff Goins. And so I definitely recommend that for because I think that to, to maybe even re have a better relationship with the algorithm. There's probably a lot of people <laughs> like maybe if they got stress in their marriage or their, their, uh, with their partner, you know, maybe there's stress with the algorithm. We have a love-hate relationship. Like there's some drama in our relationship. I think real artists don't starve. It's just kind of that idea that like, look, it, you, the game is the game. However, it exactly. changes. A, yeah. you need to pay attention. So you need to be always current and updated and aware. And that's why like this podcast and stuff you do and tools are so important. And you got to pay attention. And then you, I, what happens, and Gary Vee talks about this a lot, what creators and all of us and business owners, you just get romantic about things. You, you get, you wish it was a certain way. You wish... <laughs> that artists were more expect, you know, we wish independent creators were more represented in YouTube Rewind or something. And we can just wish and complain and worry about everything that's going on. And by the way, YouTube should be paying attention as they are and like mm-hmm. making changes and not offending the creator community. But we're living in such like, we're living in the era of just offense, excuses, complaining, you know, blaming algorithms. Definitely. And it, it just is what it is. So it's it like, you just have to like, mm-hmm succeed or not in that framework and not wish it was some other way. And we live in such an echo chamber that we create us for ourselves. We follow the same people who think the same as we do. So it's the whole round circle, tap each other on the back situation. So when you go, the algorithm sucks. It's really YouTube hates my channel. You're going to get a whole bunch of people saying, yes, the algorithm's bad. Yes, they hate your channel. So it's this echo chamber, but it's also about the balance. So yes, you want to put out a creative message into the world, but don't forget YouTube is just a tool. You know, you might do better on TikTok. You might do better on Instagram. It's just a leverage. It's just yet another lever that you can pull to get your message out there. But I think blaming the algorithm for all the ills of the world, I think that's a flawed logic too. So there's a balance between business, talking to your community, engaging with your audience, and what's this thing called the AI and what's it going to do to my metadata and what's it going to do with my, with my video. Uh, I do find it interesting that this, it is almost a conflict, but we have to understand it. And I agree that when you log into your dashboard, your new studio beta dashboard, and it's very glaringly obvious in your face saying, you're done, 50%. You go, what? And now you've got to start thinking, well, what am I doing wrong? Well, it's not that. you just got to have a different perspective 
of use, think of that video in isolation compared to your channel as a whole. I found, and I'd like your opinion on this as well, do you find people look at individual videos and then make decisions based on that and therefore my channel sucks, it didn't do well, I'm quitting. Should they be looking at a channel as a holistic tool versus just one-on-one videos? Absolutely. I think that not only looking at your channel as a holistic whole, but also not judging too soon. My biggest Mm -hmm. recommendation when people are starting YouTube is I say, look, not until you get to your first 30, but what I want to say and sometimes say is actually not until you get to your first 100 uploads, do I think you're even starting? Hmm. It's, it's almost like, you know, if you go to the gym, which I don't do, so I don't even know how I have this information. <laughs> it's almost like if you go to the gym and you've ne- you haven't been in years and you're out of shape, not only do you not have the right form, but you could barely lift the weights. Um, and so it's all ugly. Your arms are wobbling. You walk in, everyone's like some gym shark dudes got like the, you know, hat, shirt, <laughs> beats, headphones, and you're coming in, you're like, you don't have the right clothes, the right form. You don't know anything. You're scrawny, whatever. And so you got to show up a hundred times, yep. to even actually start like exercising, right. And now you've got a little bit of strength to even do. Exactly. So the same thing's true on YouTube. It's like people, I, I see people that they're like, yo, your stuff doesn't work. I've been following video influencers. I can't believe your stuff doesn't work. I'm like, okay, fair. Well, let me look into your stuff. Click through on their channel. Mm-hmm. Bro, you have three uploads in the last six months. <laughs> you can't even, you don't have, you haven't started. You can't even say whether it, it's, it works or not. And even if you had 30 uploads, what I still say is true. I think that you're still in a learning self-discovery, mm-hmm. um, finding your voice, refining your message getting through the production process, the workflow process. And most people, that's actually the season where they get, they get stuck. You yes. know, there's, there's the start season, immediately follows it, is stuck. You, you start and then you're like, okay, I put out a video, took me five hours, 10 hours, 15 hours. To yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it got five videos. Uh, shoot, I make more money at my minimum wage job. My minimum wage job. Of course mm-hmm. you do because you're just starting Exactly. And, but over time, you, you're going to create that leverage to build that momentum. If you can press through that season, there's so much, many rewards on the other side. But that, that goes back to kind of the beginning of the call. You have to, though I uh, walk through the season of suck, I will fear no <laughs> evil. Just like, hey, I'm in it, man. I, this is the season of finding my voice. And, uh, and so I, I would agree. Look at it as a whole. And then the thing, you know, if we play both sides, though, when you said, is it based on one video? I mean, you probably even know more about me than the algorithm, but from what I've been studying lately, you know, I'm really loving uh, Matt Geelan's Little Monster stuff, yes. the three-part series. YouTube seems to be in this place where, this is, this is what I'm hearing, that mm-hmm. if you have two bad uploads in a row, that it's going to affect that third upload in terms of, in relation to how much velocity it got right there, like it said in Studio right. Beta. And so, to your point, Yes, YouTube is the algorithm. Unfortunately, not only is it killing creativity, but it's like it's actually almost forcing your content in a certain direction. It's saying, look, only give us what works. Therefore, if that means changing your message or only talking about certain topics, it's, it's frustrating. And that's the tension of, of only kind of being business and algorithm minded. But on the flip side, I mean, again, it's, it is weird to judge that because we could take it so personally yeah. and, and forget that, okay, hey, this is a free platform. <laughs> you're making money. If the platform wants bananas, why are you feeding it, you know, oranges? Like that's right. just your decision. And, and if you want to feed oranges to express your creativity or talk about the topics you want to talk about, then please do that. But you have to be okay with the results. Yes. I do think it's interesting you know, I come from a faith background and so I follow some different, uh, of course, like preachers online. Mm-hmm. And I was actually hearing one talk about Instagram and it, I think it illustrates the same point because of course, Instagram has an algorithm as well. And what he was saying was, look, there's certain clips of my messages that are just kind of going to naturally go viral. Like they're just kind of the shareable thing. They're the thing that everyone wants to click like on and, mm-hmm. and, and like they just blow up. And he goes, and then there's things though that why did this get 50,000 views and this only get 5,000 in the case of this individual? And he said, but the thing is, what I said in the thing to 5,000 needed to be said. Like it was the deeper thing. It was the thing that could change someone's life or impact someone's life. And unfortunately, the algorithm or even the way people interact with it, um, it, it's not always going to go viral, but it's important 
it's the substance. It's right. something I want to get out there. That's the balance we all have to walk is, is that, okay, if you have two bad uploads because you really want to get a message out, well then please be true to yourself, be true to your heart, your mission, your vision. But then you have to accept the fact that that might like slowly erode your channel. So then can you blend the two? That's the dance. Can you, yes. can you then put out what YouTube wants and what kind of placates your subscribers and whatever, and then also balance that with weaving in, you know, the stuff that you're like, man, I don't know if this will be popular, but it's important. So I know I need to publish it. Yeah. It's, and it's always that kind of balancing acts. It's all about the viewer's journey, the viewer's experience. Give the viewers what they want. YouTube will serve it to a bigger community. If they appreciate your content, YouTube will serve it to a bigger community. And that's why you get those views whilst you snooze. I love that term. And there's also the, the exact definitions when you get that right. It's the exact definition of an agent that's worked for you. Talk about passive income. I mean, you can making ad revenue. You're making affiliate revenue of something that you did years ago. Do you find that on your channel with some of the tech stuff you used to do way back then, you're still delivering money into your bank account? Of course. I mean, we're going to generate over 200K profit just from the Amazon Associates program this year, Crazy. which is insane. That's, I think that's you know four to six million in top line sales for Amazon, which is something, by the way, you know, you talk about branding and writing bios and, and things. And, and by, I actually have helped all kinds of clients that have different types of businesses. But early on, I, that was one of my authority positioning pieces. I said, I've helped my clients at the time generate millions of dollars because I've helped Amazon generate millions of dollars. <laughs> I mean, it is totally true. Like directly, like, almost in like a direct sales type of a, an environment because content is putting that out uh, and then generating those, uh, those profits. But yeah, we, um, so many older tech videos, older videos from affiliate marketing, you know, and I've also got, people don't know a lot of times I've got a channel like Sean Cannell, my personal channel, mm -hmm. and I'll sometimes review like health products. And so there was one, it was like a green juice powder. And um, my friend Lewis Howes mentioned it to me. So I tried it for a while, loved it, found out they had an affiliate program. But what I also like looking for is programs that are outside of, um, Amazon's like four to 10%. This, right. In this case, this was 30%. What? And continuity. So if they got subscribed to a bottle a month of this green juice powder that you mix with water for health on the go and when you travel, and that's kind of one of my main passions that is personally. And so I put this video out, uh, put the affiliate link in the description below. It actually went through ClickBank as a, an affiliate you know, network mm -hmm. and put that link down there. That video has generated two to $300 a month, roughly $3,000 a year for four or five years and <laughs> wow. yeah and i made it four or five years ago and it just keeps bringing in and that, that was absolutely one of the ways i got to where i was today was video by video it was almost like i viewed yes. those things like a project yes it wasn't just a video but once it like worked on it got it in place i mean on the one hand 300 bucks a month when you start out, that's not going to pay your rent and your, and feed your family and feed your kids. But how many of those videos, mm -hmm. those mini projects could you get in place? Well, now you can start seeing how practical it could be to have a thousand, 2000, 3000 a month. And now that's life changing money. Now that's like you doing this full time. So that's, that has been a major strategy for me. And that's why I love rank videos and these laws, because when you get these things in place with reoccurring revenue like that, it's a complete game changer. But game changing is what this is all about. It can be. People want that dream, but I always question how hungry are they to get it? And how often are they going to turn around and say, well, this algorithm has bit me. I'm now giving up versus people who say, you know what? Okay, so it was a bad video. Next, I'm going to just carry on doing it, carry on hustling. At the end of the day, we just don't know what the algorithm is going to pick up. And you could have old videos. I mean, it happened on my channel, a four months old video that I've long forgotten about just blew up, almost doubled my subscriber base in 20 days, just from that one video alone. So what do I do? I double down, make more of the same content. The algorithm loves all of that. It's my top search term now on coming to my channel. So my point is that you just never know. But if you're not willing to put in the effort of this whole you know, overnight success takes a couple of years situation. If you've got to put in the legwork, you've got to put in the grant work for you to kind of get those rewards. So you can get that passive income 
couple of hundred bucks a month is not a lot, but a couple of hundred bucks times by lots of videos, well, that's amazing. That is beautiful money. That is some people's vacation money, some people's maybe college down payment. It could be anything. And those can be life-changing kind of money. Is there anything that's got you super, super pumped right now? You know, as we are in this deep conversation with YouTube, um, I'm super pumped about online video in general. And here's my list. Um, YouTube's still number one for me. Number two for me, close number two and three is Instagram video and LinkedIn video. So I think that uh, this is some tactical stuff for people right at the end too. I think Instagram TV, it, it was dead. I mean, it, it really, it mm-hmm. just kind of was, but once they started distributing it in the feed, it was revived. And now it's like, it's like a big deal because now there's that crossover. If you're executing well with content in the feed, you get that 60 second preview and then they can complete watching it over on your IGTV. It's all blended together. I don't think it should surprise us that Instagram wasn't just going to roll over and stay down. Um, they are in the boxing ring, of course, going to continue to evolve. So I think there's a lot of opportunity, especially, dare I say, dare I even utter these words, that if you were at absolute zero, that there's some, I think, wisdom to consider Instagram and, or number three, LinkedIn video as that's probably the most open season, the, the most favorable organic reach algorithm right now. Um, as, as this message has been, you know, for me, it was, it was 2018 VidCon when they did the first ever LinkedIn video creators panel. And I was like, yeah, right. What, what is a LinkedIn video creator? What is this? But I, I mean, I was early to see that those people were early because it only been a few months old at that time. But LinkedIn, we're there, so we're being present in those places. So um, YouTube, number one, LinkedIn and Instagram in neither order, two and three. Number four, paid video ads. We didn't even go there. Maybe it's conversation for the future, Ooh, for the future yeah, place. I just made a note of that. Absolutely. But, but paid traffic, again, when I say it's irresponsible for you not to be on YouTube, I'm talking to the person who is on the sidelines and on the fences right now for not going all in in this most remarkable time in history. We're living through the greatest communication shift in the last 2,000 years. And organic, free ability to build your influence, income, and impact is a major reality, as we've talked about on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn. But paid is this whole other piece that's actually missing from a lot of entrepreneurs' businesses. There's a learning curve. You got to figure it out. By the way, you'll lose money. You'll make mistakes. I, I met, we, we spent 10K on ads once that barely ROI'd, was super frustrating, took a ton of energy, we were super exhausted, and that kind of thing could make you kind of disillusioned and say, mm-hmm. huh, should I do this anymore? But my friends paid LinkedIn, or uh, well, not actually LinkedIn for me, but that's relevant too, paid uh, Instagram video ads, static ads, Facebook, YouTube. We do all of those in our business. Loved or hated by some people, but those people who love and hate, I've never ran into any of those people at the bank. Like I've never, <laughs> none of them have ever, like we've crossed paths. I've just, I've never seen any of them there. But all, like people can critique it. But look, if you believe in your message and your mission, and that's, I think, what it comes down to. And, and really that doubt could be in people's hearts. Because if you really believe in your message, your mission, your products, your motives, your intentions, then why would you ever put a cap on how many people you could reach with your message, your products, your mission. Therefore, paid traffic, it's, it's not just like a 10X your business type of thing, it's a, an 100X, 1000X your business type of thing. That's what we've experienced. And by the way, we do both. It's not either or, or in our opinion, it's right. both. And so it, as an entrepreneur, I say, if there are tools that are available to me, why would I not leverage and maximize them? And that's one of those tools. And so yes. I encourage people, I'm so pumped about online video. I'm playing in probably those four verticals the most. I'm like YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, and paid ads across the board. That's a major, that's a four, <laughs> that's a four horsemen of the apocalypse right there <laughs> if you can execute on those well. Well, uh, and on that note, if, if the rest of us can't even keep up with one platform, Sean's channels, Sean's platforms are absolutely something to keep an eye on because one thing's for sure, when he figures the stuff out, because Sean will break them, and when he figures how to do it, he'll simply make a video about it teaching the rest of us. So Sean, where can people get a hold of you? What have you got going on that people need to be aware of? Hit us with some links, some things for us to check out. 
Um, yeah, YouTube Secrets, definitely if people haven't checked it out, it's on audiobook now. So definitely. TubeSecretsAudio.com. If uh, you don't have Audible, I'm sure most do, but you can always grab it free when you do an Audible trial. And so check that out. Um, Think Media, just go to the YouTube search bar and type in the word Think Space Media and Video Influencers, Video Space Influencers. Think Media is going to help you with tactics and strategies, but also a lot of the tech gear, the lighting. And then, of course, Video Influencers, weekly interview show. Do that with uh, my good friend, Benji Travis, and co-author of YouTube Secrets. And then finally, um, I just love connecting with people. Twitter, ironically, I, you know, I didn't bring it up, but it's, that's, I, I view Twitter as a social platform to me. It, yes. it's, it's, the, it's just like the networking party. It's the chance to hang out with people and have conversations. Um, we definitely publish there, but I love conversations the most and not just publishing content. So at Sean Cannell, that's S-E-A-N-C-A-N-N-E-L-L. Don't expect you to remember that. <laughs> uh, but if you find me on Twitter, I would love to connect with you there if you got questions or anything, especially if you listen to this podcast. We talked about some really cool things. So uh, let me know you listen to the podcast and let me know if you have any questions and we'd love to connect. Fantastic. And don't worry about spelling or any of that because obviously we're going to have show notes and we're going to have a full-on blog post with all this information and links to absolutely everything. So we got you. Don't even stress about that. Sean, thank you very much one more time. Amazing chats, always inspiring to us. Whenever we get together, it's always amazing stuff. Thank you so much. The honor is all mine. And for the rest of you guys, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast application. If you've got a free second, hit us up with a review. Love to know how we're doing, what we can do better, who we should have on these shows. Let us know in those comments as well. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Tube Talk. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by vidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash Tube Talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.